1: What's up, my fabulous furry freak brothers? Before we start today's show, I want to go ahead and bring you a special, special way to start your day. As many of you know, I live in the Midwest, here in the great state of Wisconsin, but I work East Coast hours, so my day has to start earlier than a lot of my compadres I work with over on the East Coast. So what does that mean? What that means is that I got to go ahead and get my caffeine fixation taken care of throughout the day. Now, typically, when I wake up, I'm actually pretty alert, so I don't need the jolt of energy that a lot of people uh, require to basically function as normal members of society, but it is around the middle of the day, especially as I'm like in that third quarter crunch between like one and 4 PM. That's when I need something. So as many of you know, I've been on a weight loss journey and part of that has been cutting out sugary energy drinks. So I've had to put down the bangs, had to go ahead and send out the monsters to people that will drink them. Can't touch it. It's full of crap. However, just a nice hot cup of coffee or an iced coffee with a half and half that my wife will go ahead and prepare for me and bring over to go ahead and get me through the day and make sure that I'm still a tolerable person to live with. Um, that has become more crucial. So imagine how happy I was when our friends over at Fox & Sons went ahead, set up their subscription service. So you go ahead and set it up and they will go ahead and deliver you a bag every month. Or you can just go ahead and make some one-time purchases. Either way, we've got something awesome for you. We're issuing, see, because we got to tie the branding into all language. We are issuing a decree. Thanks to our friends at Fox and Sons, fifteen percent off any order with special code Second Print Pod when you make a purchase of twenty five dollars or above. See, they're just men of the people like me. S- Second Print Pod to get fifteen percent off every order of twenty five bucks or more. You're welcome. You're welcome. Fox and Sons is spelled F O X N S O N s fox and sons fox and use special code second print pod for 15% off any order when you make an order of 25 buckaroos or more see they're men of the people just like me so sit back relax and enjoy today's show Am I supposed to intro the show? <laughs> Are we doing the Spider-Man thing?
2: See, you. guys, this is why you need to really subscribe to our YouTube channel. I want to say YouTube.com slash Second print Pod. It's not that because we need to get to a 1,000 subscribers before we can make our own URL. If you did, you would have seen us hilariously queuing each other to start the show. But it, otherwise, if for the audio people, it's just awkward silence. So that's why you got to go check out the video, friends.
1: You see, you got to be with us in the moment. On all platforms.
2: See, Remzo and I talk so little off the show that we don't even talk about who's gonna start the show until the show's already started. But you know, I my theory is it's your issue today, it's your it's your suggestion. So you should start the show. But it's but it's my already circus, delayed, so yeah. yeah, it's
1: my circus, it's my monkeys, it's my clowns. I know that we covered a Spider-Man comic the last time we did reissued, but who's ever complained about more Spider-Man? Especially as we've got Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse in theaters right now, I thought that there was probably no better time to go ahead and jump into today's issue, which is one that I've had on the docket for a while. I, I didn't synchronize it for this one particularly, but the timing just happened to be right, which is also really ironic because I thought this movie was going to come out the following week. I thought it was going to come out the same week as Flash. So when I found out that it was coming out when it did, immediately bought tickets, caught the first showing, got to see my boys ben riley the scarlet spider um spider-man 2099 miguel o'hara on the spoiler big spoiler alert spoiler well, I, mean, it's I knew, a, about, it's in I knew every about 2099 i didn't know about ben riley but i'm not exactly uh, you know, i'm still gonna see it voiced it. by andy sandberg which i didn't see coming but yeah that's right today we are covering the first origin issue of spider-man 2099 today before we go ahead and do that mark You've got a case – you know, you've got a tale from the fuck it pile this weekend because you're taking a break from Case of the Runs to go ahead and dive into a stack of books that you just kind of come across. And the one that you picked out actually kind of surprised me because I didn't think right. that this would be one that you'd want to actually cover. But it definitely well, embodies – the fuck it pile mentality uh, i mean the whole point this is a patreon uh, show that by the time most of
2: you hear this uh you will already be released uh but i'm going to be reviewing Thunderstrike number one now i don't know how deep i want to go into this here because i'm going to go very deep in it into it on that show itself but to answer your question i don't want to cover this Remzo. that's kind <laughs> of the point of the fuck it pile is that <laughs> it's stuff i would never really force myself to read were it not for my patrons, so I'm saving us all. Well, not all. I'm not saving me. I'm saving everyone else the trouble of actually reading some of this stuff, and uh, you know, giving my short little thoughts on it. But uh, this is an interesting one because I, I actually this is my own issue. Like the th- the fuck it pile is an actual box of comics that for it's whatever an actual reason, actual
1: pile of comics just kind of to... was like fuck it, and you threw it together. It's a real pile of comics. It's a real box that when I went back to my uh,
2: vault in Connecticut, where all my most of my comics are, and I was very meticulous about bagging and boarding when I was a kid. Like every single book I got, I guess, except not all of them, apparently I always bagged and board. But when I went back to Connecticut, there was one box that just everything was just in there. It was almost like I just said, fuck it, throw them in here and didn't bag and board them. So I don't know. I'm trying to like think back. Maybe there was certain... T- books that I unbagged and then just stuffed them into a box for whatever reason. I don't really remember, but for but for whatever reason that you actually were the one that dubbed it the fucking pile. Uh, so since then I've been slowly, but surely picking little, uh, I, I guess you could call them gems of some kind pebbles, if you will, out of the, uh, out of the fucking pile and uh, you know, dive into them. This is okay. I'm going to, I want to, I want you to guess something for me right now. Thunderstrike number one from let's see what year is it? I want to say it's 93, 93, 94. 93, June, 1993. There is nothing special about this issue in terms of length. Let me see. In terms of length, no, it is. Okay. This is a double size issue, 46 pages. It's actually a big one, including the ads. Uh, and a slightly, I'm covering it up so you don't see the price, a slightly sort of glossy, uh, I'm trying to get the camera, glossiness in the cover there on the lightning, as you can see. So what do you think the cover price of this one is? Ninety one seventy 295
1: Two ninety five, huh?
2: Because the double issue, I think, more so than the the shine and the paper,
1: paper, they really didn't do well. Marvel was starting to do that. That's when everyone was getting mad because they were making the big stockier, glossier covers at the time. Yeah, and then they always tack on a buck and say, "Hey, look, we made your cover shine. All right, all right, kid." I tried to. I tried to get rid of that comic. I've got the exact same issue. And like two mm-hmm. years ago, we tried to do a, a thing where it was like, "Hey, leave a five star rating review on Patreon." send me your review and I will send you this issue of Thunderstrike. And it just went silent is this the worth, entire time. Is this worth more or less than $2.95 today? Uh, it wasn't worth somebody literally leaving a five-star review. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've got a funny story. I'll with, leave
2: before. you one if you don't bring that, to, if you don't bring it to my house.
1: Yeah, everyone was just like, don't do it. I've, I've got a funny story about how I came up with the term fuck it pile. So my brother and I, and all our friends uh, that we would collect comic books with, we my brother and I strategically put a pile of comics together between both of our collections. And this pile was called the trade pile. So if we had a friend come over, or we went to a friend's house, and we wanted to trade comic books as we would, every comic that was in that box was basically fair game. And the idea was it would always be a one-to-one thing. So that way it didn't matter if you know he took five out and traded or whatever – me and him would always make sure that we got an equal amount of comic books back and put in the pile as well. So it was kind of like you know the free banking of comic books. And um, at one point, my parents were cleaning out a closet. My brother and I had kind of pissed them off for some reason. I don't know if my, it was my father or my mother, but they were just like, "Move your fuck it pile out of the closet." And <laughs> we weren't. So it actually came like, from a, a parent. Yeah, it actually came from one of my parents. And I don't, I don't remember my my brother and I being necessarily scared of it. We were more like, did they call it a fuck it pile? We're gonna call it that from now on." And thus the fuck a pile was bored so little did you know that back then your parents were actually naming
2: a segment on your future podcast that you host with a former libertarian podcaster who had been assumed that
1: name (laughs) the world is a uncanny astonishing amazing and spectacular place i'll do an extended version of this when i do the actual show
2: would you like to hear a thunderstrike origin story in 30 seconds or less yes uh, when Thor lived on Earth as Donald Blake, he, he he gained a best friend. That best friend was Eric Masterson. For some reason, this human Eric Masterson tried to help him battle—I forget him some villain or another—and was about to die when Thor merged his body with Eric Masterson and essentially uh, became one with him, letting Eric Masterson sometimes turn into Thor. So later, they were separated uh, and became his own character, Thunderstrike. After Thor gave him a hammer called Thunderstrike and assumed the name of Thunderstrike because he's not that—he's not that original—and uh, later we find out, thanks to Donny Cates, that. Eric Masterson uh, 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 was made uh, uh, up by Odin and never really uh, existed
1: duh. what the fuck that happened <laughs> yeah,
2: that was recent that was a very recent Thor and Donnie Cades. it was a thing where like Eric Masterson was this sort of like invented invented thing to like he had help. a
1: kid though he yeah, had a son. that was all. That was all uh, magic. That was <laughs> that was all I li- magic. I, I never, I never collected Thunderstrike apart
2: from that. Well, one I issue did. One I have Remzo. This is not the only issue in the pile, Remzo. I have a whole run. I was like, this
1: is like one of my books at the time. I, I liked him when he was Thor, and it was the Mighty Thor title where Eric Masterson was Thor. That's where I actually get like a lot of my like classic Thor stories because I never collected Thor as a single title except I got like thirty issues of Mighty Thor that all had. Eric Masterson as Thor at the time. And I really liked it. Yeah. So basically,
2: so. at one point in the 90s, here, there was Thor, Thor, and then there was Thunderstrike Thor, who was also Thor. He had the exact same powers as Thor, basically, but he's Thunderstrike Eric Masterson. And there was also Beta Ray Bill and, you know, whatever else. Damn. Good times. Anyway, speaking of the early 90s, we're going to talk about something else that came out in the early 90s. Yeah. So,
1: so all that and more, patreon.com slash pod. Spider Man 2099 was actually the first Spider-Man comic I was ever given. I don't remember who gave it to me. I just remember one day I was given like a stack of comics from the 90s. One of them was a Green Lantern book. One of them was a Batman book. And then I got like four or five issues of Spider-Man 2099. And I just remember looking at this thinking, oh, this is going to be like the Spider-Man unlimited cartoon, which came out around 1998, 1999. Because it takes place in the future. He's got this crazy dark blue costume with the web cape and stuff like that. It's obviously just like that cartoon. No. Spider-Man 2099 is way more hardcore. It doesn't even have Peter Parker. And little did I know that it was in this self-contained universe of Marvel comics in the future. And to this day... The 2099 verse is still considered Marvel canon. So what's going to happen when we actually get to 2099
2: and they still have all the same characters that I mean, you and I may not be, you know, on this material plane at the time. I'd like to think I might be be one old motherfucker, though. The <laughs> link <Euro-link> is like <laughs> keeping us alive. I'll be, we're just we're just two microchips you can put in your computer and then and, and tell us to talk about comics. <laughs> that's a that's a.
1: That's a sad thought. <laughs> we could be avatars, just like I Miguel think, O'Hara has. The, I, think this was one, I think this was one of those things where they were just like, we're not going to be alive to deal with it, so it's not our problem. Fuck it. <laughs> fuck it's it. Their own fuck it pile. Their fuck it idea pile. So 2099 uh, era of comics really does embody this 90s grunge era. You see, this was coming around the time that Marvel was considering doing uh, Heroes Reborn. I think it. I think it overlapped at one period but um this you know, was this 94 is, Heroes mm-hmm. reborn was 96 and yeah yeah so, so this is they would just, still be going yeah so this is just around the time that it's happening because Marvel wants to go grungier. or Marvel wants to go uh more hardcore they want to push the ratings and what they started to realize at the time was that they can't do that without pushing off some fans of classic characters, which is what will eventually lead to Heroes Reborn. But what was great about 2099 was it allowed them to do that, but completely reimagine them, allow a new team of artists and writers to come in and basically give them like free reign to do what they wanted. So this way, even if it didn't work out, they could scrap it. It wasn't treated as main continuity. It would take about four or five years for it to basically be adopted and it would primarily be through Spider-Man, but we had, hulk 2099 doom 2099 um spider-man that was the one that for whatever reason i i ran with the
2: longest i have like almost every of the first like 25 issues of that doom 2099 run at one point even uh warren ellis actually took over that book at one point i think only did a few issues but yeah there was one they took it tw- seriously is the point because t- look this book is by peter david like they were they were not just like tossing this to the side and saying fuck it they were actually putting some of their top writers on it
1: yeah, and they had X Men 2099. Eventually, later, they would have the Avengers, but they would be like side characters within other comic books. But uh, I mean, they had one book that I did a very early Patreon episode on called Ravage 2099, and he was a new character. He was basically like a Snake Plissken, you know, Escape from New York. He was literally yeah. just Snake Plissken. He was like. just literally, yeah, Kurt Russell. So, like, this we was do a show on that. I feel like we I did one way back because I got like a whole bunch of issues for like five bucks at a comic con. And I was like, I'll do one on it. it and there was a pile. Yeah. It was their fucking pile. And I was just like, I'll take it. Sure. And, uh, I ended up giving it away to a, to a friend's kid because I was like, I think you might enjoy this more than me because it was just a bit, it wasn't my, it wasn't my cup of tea. I thought I would love it, but I, it was more like, you know, you enjoy this so I can go get other books. I like and not have to worry about storing it. But Um, Yeah, no, I've always I've always enjoyed this. And the the older I have become over the years, the more I actually appreciate 2099 because it was this promise to readers that, you know, this is going to be its own canon. It's not going to distort anything from the current mainline Marvel, but it's going to just be wacky, crazy future cyberpunk shit. And they have always done that. In fact, I um in this in the second per comics fan zone, I went ahead and talked about um a stack of books I got last week. I talked about it on last week's pop episode. And currently Marvel has a Spider Man 2099 limited series out right now called Spider Man 2099 Dark Genesis. And as somebody that loves Spider Man, as longtime listeners know, I am not happy with this current amazing Spider Man run. This is like a blast from the past. Immediately, I felt like I was a teenager again. It was just so good. Spider-Man 2099 Dark Genesis on stands right now. There are plenty of copies at my comic shop because Marvel isn't promoting it, which I think is ridiculous because you thought you'd want to go ahead and promote Miguel O'Hara as the Across the Spider-Verse movie is out. But Marvel isn't known for their smart decisions recently. Not so much. So, so Mark, you collected... The Hulk one, you know, not the Hulk. I did
2: a uh, Doom, and uh, I think I did a little bit of the Spidey, and what
1: else? Maybe the X Men. I had a few issues the X Men. What was uh, you know, what was your initial reaction? Because you were collecting around this time. Um, what what are your memories? Well here's the thing, Remzo. My memories are always fond because I think I just loved
2: everything when I was like 13, 14. I didn't have much of a critical mind, I don't I don't think. I was just sort of accepting everything I read as what it is, I, I didn't think too deeply about it. I didn't have the sometimes uh, cynical view that I might take now towards certain books. So to me, it was just more books. I think that's what it was. And I, I've said this before. I think what always would suck me in, though, to jump onto a new series is that I loved a, a new number one, and I loved feeling like I was on the ride from a number one, like through an extended run of a series. So that's why I think I did try a number of the 2099 books and uh, and to continue with them for a long time because maybe it wasn't better or worse. I don't know than other books I was reading, but there was something about like, oh, I could, I could like, I'm right now at the same time, I was probably reading Peter David's Hulk around this time, somewhere in the 400s. And there was nothing, I knew I could never own every issue of the Hulk, but I knew if I started now, maybe I would own every issue of say Thunderstrike or in this case, um, you know, uh, doom 2099. Uh, so I think that was the appeal more than anything else. It was that it was a, not a, contained universe it did connect to our current universe but contained in a a way that it was away from it so you know i didn't do this but you could easily have just followed the four or five titles and and just like felt like you had a whole universe, whereas you could never really do that with all the Marvel titles where there's probably 30, 40, 50 titles every month at yeah. the time, but you could collect an entire catalog of the doom, 299 books. This was not doom, but the 2099 books in general, yeah. this is kind of my, why I liked Valiant too, because it was similar in the sense that he was, it was a small universe. So yeah, there was like four or five books, but you could follow them all. And then you feel like you have the whole scope of that particular universe. So that, that I think was the, uh, probably the appeal for me just having a new little pocket universe, so to speak, that I could, Sort of call my own.
1: Yeah. And I mean, this was in some ways, it was a better business decision than, let's say, what they did with Ultimate Comics. Now, that's not entirely fair because Ultimate Comics sold more, they were the top selling books for Marvel for over a decade. And, um, you know, their their impact is still felt throughout the MCU and everything else. But Marvel, you know, when they did the ultimate books, they were way more criticized than what they did with the 2099 books. Now, the 2099 books were a safe bet. You could put new writers, new artists on them. Uh, you didn't have to overcommit too much. And it was really for that specific crowd of comic readers that are going to look at this and they're going to think um, Blade Runner. They're gonna think of the video games they're playing, the cool stuff in sci-fi that's going on that cyberpunk type theme. So you can kind of keep it in a corner and it wasn't gonna mess with anything else and it wasn't gonna confuse anybody. Whereas it's like the fuck all-
2: pile. You could throw yeah. it in the corner and not worry about it. It's gonna be not gonna harm anyone, but you can go and visit that universe whenever you want.
1: Yeah, and there was never any attempt to like replace characters. Like there was no way mm-hmm. that they were ever going to prioritize the 2099 X-Men who were actually pretty unpopular. Compared to like the actual X-Men or that with Spider-Man, whereas with people with the Marvel comics, they almost, you know, fans felt at certain times that Marvel was over prioritizing the ultimate books over mainline books in terms of talent and marketing and everything else. So like a lot of people who would you would assume would probably criticize this. They did. Whereas when it came out later. Marvel thought that they could pull the same thing because they were like, well, they like 2099. But yeah, it's like also remember the same people complained about Heroes Reborn because they tried to basically create their own ultimate universe at that point, too. So, you know, this is uh, this is something that I think a lot of people just have fond memories of. And the people that don't are people that just didn't read it because I've never met anybody that disliked the 2099 universe. Mm -hmm. But I don't even I mean, it's it's even weird to call a universe. It was just future Marvel. That was basically it.
2: I I don't know how much this has there been much crossover of have have there been like 2099 characters that have come and crossed over with the main universe characters?
1: I I haven't read primarily just Miguel O'Hara. Spider-Verse not, type stuff. Yeah, not not really the others. Miguel O'Hara is the only one who has regularly come into contact. At one point in uh in the mid 2010s, um, Miguel O'Hara got trapped in the main MCU. I'm sorry, the the main Marvel universe, the 616 verse, um, it, because of something going on in the superior Spider-Man books where he was basically pulled out of time and he was trying to stop the creation of a new X. And uh he was in the main MC, the main MC the main Marvel universe for like three four years before he got sent back or the main timeline yeah the main timeline or, yeah, the or, the main 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 time or whatever yeah right. so he got sent back to his past and he was there for like three years and it, it was a cool book like I I really I really enjoyed it um but yeah I mean it's it's primarily just Miguel O'Hara because a lot of the other characters a lot of a lot of the writers and artists they just didn't know what to do with them. And while there, you know, there was like a a time crisis event or something in Marvel, it's always been treated as like smaller stuff. Like it's not really going to affect any of the titles. You're not going to have any cross title events. But if you like 2099 stuff, there will be a limited series here and there to do it. Oh, my second favorite title was Punisher 2099. That was wild. That one I haven't read. That one is hard. Let me guess he kills people with lasers. He kills of, people with lasers instead of missiles or instead of yeah, everything else. Yeah, with lasers. Well, enough of that. Let's go ahead and jump into this first issue. I want to preface that unlike a lot of Marvel origin stories, they took a chance with this one. Um they went ahead and spread this across the first 3 issues of 2099. So what we're going to do is we're just going to cover issue 1. And I challenge readers that if you enjoy this, go ahead and read issues two and three on your own to get the full origin story. But I think this first issue kind of gives you a really nice taste of what we're dealing with. SPC homework. That's what it's come down to. Mm -hmm. The SPC book club is asking you to do some reading. Well, Spider-Man 2099. First off, I want to go ahead and look at this cover. Uh, This was a Spider-Man that did not look like Spider-Man. This the cover was, it was, was
2: badass. It stood out to me. Bad, I remember this badass. from being a kid. Like this one really stuck out. You're like, oh, Spider Man. That's
1: not, but Sp- well, that actually, well, shit, that's fucking cool. I think in the marketing they said he's he's uh he's Spider Man, but he's not your friendly neighborhood Spider Man. He's definitely
2: not friendly neighborhood. It almost looks like he has like a Punisher esque skull in in the spider
1: there on his outfit. Yeah, yeah, just right there. They were really trying to solidify that the St. Peter Parker, and this is not your your daddy Spider Man. And um, I'm trying to find the uh, the art page and stuff. This was Peter writ- David and Rick Leonardi. Yeah, people that SBC listeners should definitely be well aware of. This also had uh, this was the Defalco era of Marvel when Tom Defalco, who, was by the way,
2: wrote Thunderstrike. He also was writing Fantastic Four at the time when I was reading it, and about twenty other Marvel books. Uh, and Tom DeFalco's like one of these guys where he. I don't think I've ever read a Tom DeFalco book where I was blown away, but I've also never read one that I thought was terrible. He's just like a steady hand. That's so exactly you, you what need I was going to say. write 20 books. Cause you got to put the books out, put DeFalco on it. He'll put a story out. It won't be horrible. You're not going to love it.
1: <laughs> yeah. He, he, he succeeded, uh, Jim Shooter in the, in the mm-hmm. late eighties. And he really maintained like that era of marvel where you you had a good consistency in storytelling but he was also pushing stuff like this and i don't know if he was editor-in-chief at the time when marvel was doing heroes reborn but um i mean he he was there during a, a good amount of change so you know yeah i mean he he was he was there for uh for uh infinity gauntlet and a bunch of the other big books that we've done yeah he's a, he's a good study wars here. maximum carnage uh Everything 90s, Tom DeFalco pretty much oversaw in some way, shape or form. Yeah. So we go ahead and open the first page to New York in the year 2099. And right here, uh, you know, for millennials, the best way I could describe this is this looks like Neo Gotham from Batman Beyond. Um, I think the creators of Batman Beyond would actually credit Marvel's 2099 with influencing Batman Beyond. So you're going to see some of that similarity if you look at it. So if it's a chicken or the egg scenario, 2099, and then sometime later, um, Batman Beyond. So we see flying cars. We see this Alchemex Corporation plastered everywhere. It looks kind of like Blade Runner. Um, you know, that whole type of thing. And then out of nowhere, you go on to the second page, it's this giant splash page. And this is one of the coolest splash pages ever. You see our new 2099 Spider-Man running from these hover cops, and they just went ahead and leapt over, you know, these, these teenagers uh, who were in their hover car. And just right there, I mean, that just gives you everything. This is the future. This is a rogue Spider-Man. This guy looks scary as hell. Why is he on the run from the cops? And they're yelling at him. They're trying to arrest him just right here. The with the web cape with everything just as we mentioned earlier this is a badass motherfucking spider-man
2: indeed indeed yeah, and it's it's like i don't know i feel like every future type book the future sort of looks the same uh so I, you know I, I won't give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down it's just a generic future so it's really where are you going to take me in this story is this what's going to matter here
1: yeah. So the next couple pages, three through four, you see the the hover cops, you know, they're they're struggling to deal with this guy. He's a superhuman. And, and what's crazy is like, you know, Spider-Man moves and looks a certain way. And to the credit of, um, you know, uh, Tom McFarlane, this was. um, You know, th- this was a Spider-Man that looked and moved like his Spider-Man. Todd McFarlane. I'm sorry. Todd McFarlane. Not Tom. I was thinking of the comedian. Todd McFarlane. Oh, I, thought, I thought it was Todd's younger brother. <laughs> no, but that's not how just it's done. i with it. Yeah. So Todd McFarlane, I mean, the the way that he moves, the way that he kind of does things, this is a different type of movement. And I want to preface that because you see this as the story continues. And I think it's done very intentionally because they want to preface that there's a very different Spider-Man. Whereas after Todd McFarlane and he has influenced how Spidey looks and moves in movies, animation, video games, he moves like a spider this Spider-Man moves like a freaking ninja. He's just as acrobatic. He's just as agile. But everything he does, Looks like he's going to make a move that can like attack somebody. Like this is definitely an offensive Spider-Man. So he's getting away. He jumps on this one guy's hover bike and he's just like throwing people around. And then what's wild is on um what page number is this? On page six, you see something which is definitely not very friendly of your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. He basically has these claws. And he scratches, he like smacks, I mean, discipline hand, like open hand, <laughs> like claw slashes this one cop's helmet off. And the guy is screaming. You can tell they cut him. And you look at his hands and you're like, Spider-Man has fucking claws? This Spider-Man does. And it is just so crazy. So he crashes his bike. Um, he's continuing to you know jump away. What you can also notice is that he's not swinging with webs yet. So – as of right now, we're kind of in the middle of the story. This is a non linear origin story, which I also think was really cool because it also juxtaposes Peter Parker's origin, which is very linear. So I, I like it done in this fashion. It's kind of like the first issue of Spawn, which is very non linear. That's what kind of. <laughs> you just did a it differently. I was about to say, I like it when you say linear, and
2: then, then you switched it up. You went back to linear, the real way it's pronounced. What? I didn't think. <laughs> <laughs> you know linear is like you, is it's like your issues episodes you always say linear and i always sometimes i probably just mostly laugh to myself about it and just let it go but then Ray, right as i was about to make a joke about you saying linear instead of linear you went and said linear you don't even notice that you're doing it
1: <sighs> listeners notice i've never felt so self-conscious on air before
2: <laughs> well now you know how i feel every time i try to say episode or issue it's gonna live with you for the rest of your life. Tomatoes have to rot, own thing. Okay. All right. So anyway, get back to the, the, the non the non-linear
1: story. <laughs> Fuck it, we'll continue. <laughs> so he um Fuck it, we're live. He doesn't have a. he doesn't have uh the ability to swing webs yet. That will come into play later. So what you can tell very much is that even though he's in costume now, there's still some development to come. And so, I like
2: here too that you you sort of learn some of his abilities and how he acts by what the people chasing him are doing. Like they, at one point he's just fall like in a straight free fall. And they're like, Oh, just let him fall. He'll die. And like, no dummy. He's going to use his web things to, to make himself a net to land. Like, so they like, they already know a little bit about Spider-Man 2099 and through their juxtaposition, uh, we also get to learn as well as we see it happening.
1: Yeah. And, and as they continue, everything is Alchemex. So Alchem-X is Alchemex is basically Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Straight um, up. So we get over to, um, to page eight, and we see that our Spider-Man of the future has been able to escape. He has switched back into civilian clothes, and as he's walking into his apartment, um, he's very sensitive to light, and this is going to matter in a little bit. I didn't—I remember being very confused at the beginning when I when I read this years ago. Yeah, I was later like, on. "Wait, do spiders hate light? What's going on?" Yeah, I was like, "What's go- What's up with this guy?" So, I mean, you don't even see his face. He goes and sits down, and he's talking basically to his Alexa, who is this hologram AI named Lila, who was modeled after. Marilyn Monroe. So, um, Not a bad choice. yeah. So he's like, go ahead and you know, tell me w- my missed messages for the day. And each time a message comes up, it's the hologram of the person. So the first one that he gets is a message from uh, Tyler Stone. He is the CEO of Alchemex. And basically, he is uh, asking our hero, Miguel O'Hara who his nickname is Mike, because God forbid white people call you by your actual name. He's like, Mike, I strongly suggest you come and see me so we can work something out. And Miguel is just like, fuck it, move on. So then you move on to a friend of his named Gabe. And Gabe is like, you know, this. this These are all like his voicemails, by the way, which
2: are displayed in in like in the form of a holographic representation of the person
1: leaving the message it's a you know i don't know if i want that in the future i don't want i don't even want to hear the voicemails let alone see the people exactly it's just it just feels a little a little unnerving so then we get his friend gabe and his friend gabe is criticizing him about this project that he's on and apparently they were in an argument and gabe is just calling basically say listen like i don't like what you're doing but you're still my friend and i want to stay friends with you and uh miguel is just like not having it. He cuts it off and he's like, dump it and move on, Lila. So then he gets uh, a hologram message from his girlfriend, Dana. And obviously something's going on between him and Dana, because Dana's like, Miguel, you're not talking to me. What's wrong? I'm worried and about Dana's you. Dana got a black eye. Yeah. So a, if a yellow yeah, eye, I guess if they the want to, if they want to emphasize that, you know, this ain't, you know, Spider-Man would never hit Mary Jane or something like that. This is just continuing to double down on the fact that this is not Peter Parker. This is not Peter Parker.
2: Yeah, and they don't they don't tell you exactly what happened, but you can. I mean, it, it's it's it, you can put it together and think: Did this it at least brings up the question? Wait, did this guy that we just met—that's the hero of our—did he hit his girlfriend? And I I like it. They the way they do this, they plant the little. When I say they, I mean Peter David. That's why they brought on a a real good writer for this, who knows how to layer a story and and sort of give you questions that you want to see the answers to and slowly sort of unveil the answers as you go. So already just in these couple of pages, we've had the mystery of why is this guy affected by the lights? We've had the mystery of uh, what's the deal with this drug and this Tyler guy. Uh, we have the mystery of what the fuck happened to his girlfriend. I hope it's not what we think. And all of this in just a couple of pages of the, the sort of the the answering machine scene, I guess, with the, the hollows. And uh, I really thought this whole scene was a really effective way to sort of Lay the groundwork for this character without just giving us the, in the, giving it in the normal linear way. Here's everything happening in order. Uh, it, it makes you interested in what's, what's going to happen. Instead of just flat out showing you, it makes you ask these questions to yourself. So then when you get the answers, it's like an aha moment instead of just having it all laid out there
1: for you. And, and what I love about the way that they write this is that none of the dialogue feels like it's expositional. Like this is all just very, like, in the moment dialogue. Like, they're not going to give you too much just by the characters talking to each other. Um, it's very show-don't-tell, as you mentioned. So uh, he goes ahead and he he turns off the message from Dana. He's just He just doesn't want to deal with anything. Finally, we get a pretty good look at his face. And this guy just looks upset, pissed off, frustrated, angry. And Lila is like, listen, Miguel, um, your behavior is pretty... Stressed as I can tell, to to just kind of juxtapose it. I'm sorry, just kind of you know summarize it. And she, what she recommends he do is that he goes ahead and uh enter in his journal, which she says you know will help calm you down and put your thoughts in process and everything else. And apparently, this made people- me think about like a, a the the Hal
2: scene from 2001: Space Odyssey. Just yeah. calm down, Hal. You need to take a a, a stress pill. <laughs> you need yeah. to write
1: in your journal, Miguel so miguel is like my journal huh all right lila journal mode then take this down and now we're getting to the point where you know he is basically going to discuss the last couple of days so what we know is that this is a few days since he has become spider-man basically and um, you know what we learn is that Miguel O'Hara is a geneticist for Alchemex, and he's working with this other scientist named Aaron. And what they're essentially trying to do is they're trying to create a form of super soldiers in a way. It comes a little bit later, but that's essentially what they're doing. More specifically, Miguel O'Hara is a giant fan of Spider Man from way many years back. And he's like, his name was Spider-Man, one of the premier boys from the old heroic age, from around the turn of the century. And he's talking about his his powers and everything. And we see an old photo of Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And what he this basically, is where you hear the music in your head. Yeah. So Miguel is basically a fan. And he's like, if we're going to do this, we're going to use the spider, um, you know, dna or whatever to try and make somebody who could be a spider-man who could you know potentially bring back that heroic age of marvel heroes and the guy is just like i don't know about this blah 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 you know typical like corporate does corporate like this bullshit and um eventually they go ahead and they bring in a um uh, a guy who's got a be kind of like the the guinea pig on this and Miguel is just like, dude, I don't know. This is crazy. I don't think this is ready for um, you know, for human testing. We're kinda of rushing this. And they're like, well corporate wants it. Rah, rah, rah. So that continues. Eventually they put him in this chamber where they're gonna blast them with like this radioactivity mixed. Can I just say, I I
2: love the line about about this chainer chamber because they're saying, he's saying, I love the design of this transformation chamber. Yeah. I got it off an old hollow, the fly you like it. it, And it is the exact same looking type pod from the film, the fly Remzo, Tell me you've seen the fly.
1: I've seen the fly of the guy from Jurassic park. Yeah. And the commercials. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. You've seen that movie, right? Yeah. I've seen that movie. Okay.
2: Have you seen the fly too? I did not know they were not a starring too. Jeff Goldblum starring Eric Banna. Cause nope. you know how he gets the girlfriend. He like, she's pregnant and they end of the movie. Yeah. Well, she has a baby and it's Eric Banna and Eric, Sager, yeah. it's Eric Banna and it's weird. I, I recommend just, it someday.
1: I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> it's actually good. I'm not, it's actually not bad. It's actually pretty good. I just watched the Korean version of that movie, old boy. And I just, I can't take drama right now. I don't know any version of that movie, dude. I will send you something later. Because right. if you want to feel like you have to take a hydrogen peroxide shower, this I feel will do that it. way every day. okay. <laughs> so they put him in the fly chamber. Now I feel like I have to talk like Jeff Goldblum. Mm, okay. Mm. So they go ahead <laughs> I think and put the impression him in- needs work, but I appreciate the effort. Uh, it was mobilized. on. It was on. It was you know. It was a spur of the moment. It was an on the fly thing. See what they did there? Right. So they stick him in there. <laughs> they blast him with shit, and then they open it up, and he comes out like this giant. Freak mutant thing he grabs miguel he's shaking him around as miguel is screaming and next thing you know the guy just collapses and dies <laughs> and uh they're like huh he's dead he broke his restraints effortlessly in the accelerated strength scenario but this is very very positive despite the fact that he's dead miguel is just like looking <laughs> I around, love tyler. like tyler I mean, I
2: love love to hate i mean but i love how tyler's like Oh, well, this is actually a good thing because, you know, he broke free. So if we can just solve this whole
1: turning into the freakazoid part, then we're good. So good. yeah, talk a W up. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Miguel is just like, I'm I'm done. So he he runs up to, uh, to Stone's office. He throws his badge on there. And Stone is like, dude, you got to relax. How about you have a drink with me? 1994. This is from my private stock. It was a good year, which is a tease because that's when this would come out and uh, at that point miguel is just like no i said i'm gone i quit i'm not going to be part of another incident like today's and even if you continue to work after i'm gone at least i won't be any part of it and stone is like come on miguel alchemex has groomed you mike cared for you educated you just as we did your father he was a brilliant man your father and miguel is just like you could bill me i don't care so he's pouring him a drink he's trying to convince him to stay on alchemex is going to do something amazing you know typical corporate bad guy bullshit and as he's enjoying his uh, his drink or whatever. Stone is just like, huh? You like this? And he's like, yeah. It's you know, it's pretty good. I feel more relaxed than ever. And Stone is like, yeah. That would probably be because my of my parting gift, the rapture. And he's Miguel. Miguel is just like, what? And Stone is like, yeah. You know, the rapture in the wine. You know, just uh, just the one that you drank. I'm sure you're familiar with it. A very high powered. High uh, mind expanding hallucinogen, perfectly legal, of course. A number of Alchemex employees are already users. And basically what he's done is he got him so overdosed on Rapture that now he's dependent on it. So it doesn't
2: even sound like it takes much. I mean, it's just the sip of this wine he took. But the way he lays it out is that you're once you have any, essentially, you are addicted to it in the sense that you need it. Your body starts to need it. It's, It's almost like it sounds like a heroin addiction, but maybe even worse. Like you like your withdrawal and that now we're starting to get answers, even though they don't say it directly here. Now we're starting to understand, oh, that thing with the lights. Oh my God. Oh, it's because he took this rapture and he's going through withdrawal. So I, I like the way that, again, Peter David doesn't just lay it all out. He raises questions. He gives you answers, but he also gives you answers in a way that he does let you still put things up, make some dot, you know, connect the dots yourself. He doesn't just lay it all out there for you. But if you're reading it and you're seeing the question and you're seeing this, this, you know, this sort of flashback scene, uh, it all comes together for you in a very natural way. It's it's the reason that I just love Peter David as a writer in general. It's just it's a hallmark of his writing. He always makes things ultimately easy to understand, but gives you a little bit of a challenge on the way to get there instead of just, you know, plopping it down on the paper.
1: Yeah, and I mean, what's what's wild is that, um, you know, with with this, he he reminds you of other Spider-Man villains. He's a Norman Osborn type. He's a kingpin type. So it, it just kind of shows that you know, even though the time period may change, the way that the origin is done has changed. There's still this everlasting evil, and that the world will always need a Spider-Man, and that's what. You kind of get through the, the the title as it goes on. But basically, he's like, listen, you're addicted to rapture. Eventually, you're going to go into withdrawal. And if you don't get more of it, you're going to die. But luckily, Alchemex is the only distributor of this. But it would suck if somehow you weren't allowed to buy any. So now he's basically an indentured servant. And uh, Stone just doesn't give a fuck that he just did this to his lead geneticist. So um, Miguel goes home. And what he sees is that Dana and Lila are working out. And uh, she's wearing her like Jane Fonda leg warmers and shit like that. It's so funny how like in in the '90s the future was like the '80s but more cyberpunk. Yeah. And as uh, she walks in and he's like you know collapsing all over the place, she goes to see him and all of a sudden he freaks out and he just backhands her, freaking out. He's like, ah, oh, get away! And Again, she has the questions the black answered. Guy. Yeah. So he's like, ah, oh, shock, Dana. I didn't realize. I thought you were. And he's and she's just freaking out. And at that point, she explains, listen, it's not me. My boss drugged me. <laughs> and um, they have this, you know, heart. How was heart. your day today, honey? Oh, my
2: boss uh, got me hooked on this uh, uh, this hallucinogenic that was going to affect me
1: for the rest of my life. Can you How imagine Jeff Bezos drugging somebody? Because <laughs> that's basically what this is. He has. He's, he's hooked all of us on Amazon.
2: Oh, wow. You know, that got on ching, but it's true. I got deep. So Look, if um, I need a pizza cutter, am I going to run around trying to find pizza cutters or am I going to go to my little Bezos machine and get a pizza cutter in like a day? Yeah. True. He's, he's got me hooked. He's got me hooked on the,
1: on the addiction to the, to the ease, ease of use. Anyway, So at this point, you know, he's like, I don't know how to quit. And she's like, well, we can find ways. And he, it's just a stressful situation because not only is he dealing with the unethical behavior, the projects that he's working on, but now he's also addicted to the shit. So, what he decides to do is he's going to go ahead and try and override his body of the rapture by reformatting the Spider Man, uh, you know, genetic altering sequence that killed the other guy. And he's thinking maybe if he could perfect it, it will go ahead and rid his body of rapture. But what's happening as he enters the freaking fly chamber is that that guy, Aaron, comes in and he's just like, you know what? fuck you for some reason. He's like, I'm fucking done with you. This
2: part kind of confused me. I mean, they seem like they were like, I don't know, not the best of friends necessarily, but it was like suddenly
1: he's trying to fucking kill this guy. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, suddenly he's like really jealous and he's like, I'm not going to be under you, O'Hara. So he messes with the sequence to like overload it. And what this causes is the whole chamber to explode. And he thinks that he kills him as he steps up to see the rubble. And this scene kind of actually reminds me of the Green Goblin origin in the Spider-Man movie uh, Mm. from from 2002 in which – um, You know, he's he's in he's coming out of the chamber. Obviously, something went wrong. And Aaron is just like, what the fuck? He's looking at him. And now he's like walking over saying, ah, I'm not taking the blame for this. You wrecked it. You did this. You're you misusing company equipment and everything. And as he goes over to confront Miguel now, because now he's at the point where he's not going to pretend that he didn't just try and kill his co-worker. We see a full page of Miguel O'Hara. He has claw fingers, blank eyes, and fucking fangs. And then it just says to be continued on the next issue. Next, nothing ventured. So we know that this is going to be a multi-part origin story. But just right here, this one issue from the beginning to the end, this is not your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man certainly
2: not uh it it's definitely a lot more of an adult not just the spider-man but the book itself uh it, it feels a lot more adult than uh, you know a lot of the well i guess maybe it is a hallmark of the 90s of things becoming a little more adult but mm-hmm. just seeing even if it turned out to be sort of an accident just seeing like you know miguel hit his woman and what have you and uh get hooked on a drug and, and things like that this is uh, not
1: approved by the comics code authority <laughs>
2: that probably was actually but, um yeah, I mean it's 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 one of those things where you really you would assume uh, that a lot of this would be just kind of throwaway type stuff that's not worth returning to, but then you look at some of the writers they put on some of these books again. Um, P, uh, Warren Ellis had a run on Dune twenty ninety nine. You got uh, Peter David here. I mean, they they really took this seriously, and and it shows in the uh, it shows in the story because this is not. Um, it's not a straightforward book. It's not a straightforward origin story. Uh, It's done in a very interesting way. Um, And it's laid out in a way that while, you know, from the beginning, you could easily come into the cynically saying, Oh, it's just another Spider-Man. But, Really, it seems like from what we've seen so far, the main similarity is that they're called spider man you know they're they're very different people in their personality uh they're very di- their powers while maybe similar striking differences as well with the claws and then on top of that, there's this added element, which I think is my favorite part of this whole thing that he's addicted to this rapture drug um so that's like this interesting story that, even while you're getting the origin still laid out to you it's always you're like how is this always how is he going to deal with this constantly because you know that this character is now addicted to this rapture so you're thinking is he going to constantly having to you know broker with this tyler stone guy um so there's all these layers to this story that are being put in there what are his exact powers uh so by the time we finish this first issue like you really you got some questions early on you had some of them answered but while questions are being answered, greater questions arise. Uh, so again, this is all really a, a hallmark of Peter David storytelling. And I don't know, I, I feel maybe I'll just go right into my grades here. So yeah, I feel let's like I'm, I'm already doing it anyway. Uh, so I, I was pleasantly surprised by this. I guess I shouldn't have been because Peter David generally delivers. Uh, and at, I mean, at worst, you're going to get a, a decent story with, with Peter David, but this, this exceeded any, even any expectations I had just from seeing his, his name on the book. Um, Again, it's, this is not, you know, uh, it's not where I'm going to... Again, I'm not going to write my dad about this book because it would be weird for him to get a letter from me uh, about t- Spider-Man nine would be kind of odd. Yeah, It'd be a little strange. Right. But besides that, uh, it's a pretty damn good book and it's a pretty interesting story and it's a lot more interesting than I ever would have thought it would have been going in. So I'm going to give the writing a four. Uh, I think the writing is just pretty darn good. Uh, the art, the, the art, I would call... It's weird because the, the art is by Rick Leonardi. Like... I would not call this like the best art ever, but for some reason, I really, really love this art, probably more than I should. And I'll tell you why. It feels so 90s. And I don't know how else to describe that, but just the art style, it's a little maybe messy at times, uh, a little gritty,
1: you might say. Um, he, and it he, just, it's like he's homaging his own version of like a Frank Miller.
2: Yeah, right I, I, I was kind of here. thinking that, too. I mean, he's he's certainly no Frank Miller, but it 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 but it's, it, there is a little bit of that in his style for sure. And uh, that that really came across to me as well. That I just dug the art the whole time. So, again, this is not I'm not going to write my dad about the art either, but it's pretty darn good. So I'm also going to give the art a four. That gives me an SBC score for me anyway of an eight for this book. Pleasant surprise. I, I have
1: the exact same score as you for mm-hmm. writing. Right. And finally, art. unlike last week, we're in sync. Yeah, I mean, I, I the the writing. I mean, I think if we were covering all three issues of the origin, it you know it might even be a little bit higher. That's kind of a tease for people to go and finish it. But uh, I like it. It's show, don't tell. It's dialogue that's in the moment instead of just being you know walking exposition. Um, I like the contrast and how he's trying to make it seem like yeah, this is Spider Man, but the St. Peter Parker. He ain't your friendly neighborhood uh, webhead. And I mean, while this is pretty. On par with a lot of the '90s, you know, the the image revolution style of artwork. It's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit of Miller from the late '80s. It's a little bit of Todd McFarlane from his Spider Man era and everything else. I think the fact that it's set in the future and they're really just embracing it, the. The environment and the characters match the artwork more so than if you had this in a mainstream Marvel book. So for that, I also gave it a four out of five. So this gets a total score of 16 out of 20. Definitely add this to your reading list. That's just on our very
2: informal scale. I would say that's like just on the line between a high-end Sunday read and an actually – excellent book. It's not quite yeah. fully excellent, but it's a little better than, you know,
1: what you might just call a Sunday read. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I, I, I actually think for fun, I'm just going to go ahead and read this. They've got, I think it, I think it's the full run of uh, this original title on uh, Marvel unlimited, but I'm I'll telling at least you, finish
2: these next two issues for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I I've read, I've read the Spider-Man 2099 from uh Marvel from like, you know, 2015, um, I'm reading the current Deadly Genesis. There were a few other before this I didn't know about, so I'm going to go back and try and find those limited series. But, I mean, Miguel O'Hare is just fun. Yeah, I mean this whole twenty nine to 8, 2099 era is just fun. Twenty ninety nine Punisher is my favorite Punisher title. It's the Punisher of Lasers. It's fucking cool. Um, you know I like uh, how I've never read it <laughs> and I knew exactly how to describe it. Punisher it's, it's, with Lasers. It's just it just it just fits. It's just it's just really cool. And Doom 2099. If you've never thought you'd want to read a Doctor Doom comic, that's do. the one. That is the one. I will actually be doing that
2: for a case of the runs once oh, I finish up a couple of so projects cool. I'm on. That would be so be. Not would, be. cool. Not
1: would, it will be. It will be so cool. Well,
2: you know folks. What's weird about Doom 2099? Not all of them are on the Marvel Unlimited app. There's like a big gap.
1: And I They, only, why ha- that they, only, they only have one issue of Punisher 2099. They only have one issue of Ravage 2099. It's strange, right? Well, what, what this also shows me is that if you ever think, and I've kind of fallen into this lately, oh, I don't need to buy the physical collection or I don't need to buy the graphic novel. I'll just read it digitally. You don't always have that option. Yeah, this is, there, this there's is good still, evidence of yeah, it. There's still so. a virtue to doing that keep that that's out. good evidence
2: that look i'm glad for whatever reason these books found their way into the fuck it pile i'm glad they didn't find their way into the sold pile or the given away pile because look now same thing with thunderstrike i think all these thunderstrike issues are not on uh the app as well but for whatever reason i think between the ones i physically have and a little bit of what's on the app i can read almost not i don't know if i'm gonna read all this thunderstrike run but i do plan to go back to the doom twenty nine ninety nine one that one for whatever reason and again I don't know maybe it's my my childhood memory I remember really actually liking that the most like I, I remember thinking that was my favorite book at the time, at the wow. time for a little while um I, maybe it, it might partially maybe be because Uh, I was a big Fantastic Four fan, and it was interesting to see, because there's a spoiler alert for Doom 2099, it's still Victor Von Doom. It's not a different Doctor Doom. So you are seeing, so it's a character I did actually already know, so I found it interesting to see that same character, like, 100 plus years in the future, and then kind of more positioned as, he's not a hero per se, but he's the Titular character of the book, uh so he, and to some extent, he's he's uh, the antagonist, the protagonist, I should say, even though he's not very heroic necessarily. But there are shades of gray. Anyway, I'm I'm getting excited about Doom twenty nine ninety nine just just talking about it. So uh that'll be a project of mine again. All the patrons will be able to hear our bonus shows, such as the Remzo rants, Remzo versus the everything, the MCU, the dceu etc cetera, etc. Cetera. uh You got case of the runs from me, tales from the pile, where I will be digging into again. Boy, if this
1: Thunderstrike look doesn't excite you, I don't know what's going to, but I'm reading it this afternoon. Nice. All that and more. Patreon.com slash pod. And please, uh, you know, we, we love seeing your five-star rating and reviews. Uh, the people that leave less than that can go fuck yourselves. Um, we'll go ahead and read your reviews off on the show. You know, we always get a good wave of people during the summer, which is always really exciting. Uh, we do this for you. We tailor the content for you. And, you know, this is just one of those moments where it just so happens to coincide with Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. I won't spoil much now. I'll do a, a spoilery review in about a week or so. But if you like Miguel O'Hara in the comics, the one thing I can say is you get it in the movie. It does not disappoint. So as always. Yeah, and I, I will say just to, as an aside to that, I hadn't thought about
2: Spider-Man 2099 in so long until I saw Into the Spider-Verse, where in the post credit scene you do see miguel o'hara 2099 spider-man and i remember i literally was went yeah like, <laughs> like i didn't even mean to so i must there must i must have fond memories of, of this book in my in this character because i and it might and the memory might be nothing more than just remembering that cool cover this cool cover that we look at today because i definitely own that book and
1: uh yeah i wonder if there i wonder if that will be valuable because that's not in my fucking pile that's in my that's in my real book I own two copies of this one. that I've always intended on selling. And then one I always wanted to keep for myself. So I don't have many, I don't have many comics where I have two copies of the same issue, but I have two copies of this. Just those in the wonder woman, 1984 DVD. It huh? with all the special commentary. <laughs> all right, folks, uh, that's about it. And remember if nothing more, it's short, it's sweep, it's simple, it's spectacular ultimate. It's a web of awesome. Read comics. And change change the world. world. Good night, America. Adios.
0: When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.